0: Thanks for being with us. If uh, you're here in the room or maybe you're watching online, thanks for tuning in this morning. And uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if you just maybe started coming in the last few weeks, good chance that we haven't met yet. I would love to meet you if uh, you have a chance to say hi, maybe in the hallway. And uh, there's always a lot going on here at Grace. I just want to give you an update of something that's happened. It's kind of a big deal. Uh, Our students, about 150 of our students and Pastor Jeff and some of our other staff are at Momentum Youth Conference right now. They're making their way back. And uh, those students would have just heard tons of teaching, and uh, they would have been exposed to God's Word in a really powerful way. And I want to make sure we continue to pray for them. There's often life-changing decisions that happen in those conferences, in those moments. They're out at Indiana Wesleyan. And I, I have heard reports that out of the thousands of kids that attend that conference, over 200 of them accepted Jesus. Isn't that exciting? You can clap for that. It's a lot of fun. And uh, many of them would have made decisions to go into full-time ministry and service and uh, recommit their life to Christ. So I just want to take a minute, if we could just pray for them and uh, pray for our students who are out there, why don't we do that together? Father, I want to say thank you uh, for momentum, for the efforts that go into making that conference happen, for CE National who hosts it. And I thank you for our students, uh, for our young leaders and young people that you have given to Grace Church. They're a gift to us. And God, we just want to pray for each and every one who heard your word and were exposed to what you did at that conference in a powerful way, and I pray that you would open hearts and minds, that you would convict in powerful ways, and that literally lives would be changed and minds would be transformed, even uh, in the conversations on the way home, Lord. We continue to drive that conversation deeper and deeper into the hearts and the souls and the minds uh, of the students here at Grace, work in all of the students' lives who would have heard that teaching. And uh, God, we just want to say thank you, ask for your leadership here even this morning as we talk about knowing you and finding your will and uh, find out what to do when we don't know what to do. God, lead us now. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, we did just start a series here uh, in the last week. Pastor Jeff kicked it off and uh, we started out and we said, here's, here's what we're going to talk about. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Right, we said that there's always going to be a time we bump into these conversations. Usually we're able to navigate the simple decisions of life. What do I wear? Where do I go to lunch? What movie do I watch? Right, the little decisions we kind of navigate and tend to navigate those on our own. But when it comes to the big life altering decisions, do I get married? Who do I marry? should I go to college? What should I study? Which college should I go to? What job should I take? Should I switch jobs? Should I retire? When should I retire? Right? Kind of these big life-altering decisions. When I bump into these big ones, we we tend to feel the weight of them in a pretty big way. And we do that personally, knowing that the trajectory of our lives is going to be changed often by this decision. If I take this path, it's going to lead me into this, I don't know what. If I take this path, who knows where that's going to go. I think even more so, we feel the weight of these decisions because it's going to affect the people around us. It's going to affect our family and our friends and our kids or our parents. And we know that whichever way we turn, it's going to have a huge impact on us and the people around us and maybe even our whole community, right, depending on where it goes. And so we said, what do I do when I don't know what to do? How do I approach these decisions when I feel like I'm at a crossroads? I got some big decisions to make. What do I do with that? And so what we did, Pastor Jeff kicked us off last weekend, and he really, he laid down some fantastic quotes and some great thoughts. Here's what he said, a few of the things I wanted to capture for us. He said this, he said, if I'm looking for the will of God, if you grew up in church, you may have heard that phrase, the will of God or the mind of God, he said, is not a code to be deciphered, it's a relationship to be delved into. Right, so there's no magic eight ball of the Bible right, that I can shake it up and, and hope to open it up. It's going to say, hey, here's the job you should take right? Open your email at 8.22 a.m. and see who sent you a, right, an, a job offer, and that's going to be the one, all right? Or the next piece of mail you get, that's the college offer that you should go to. There's not going to be kind of writing on the wall. I wish that would happen. I've prayed that before. God, write the answer on my whiteboard in, the, in my sleep, right? Like, make it show up for me. It just never happens, at least not yet. I'm still waiting. But those things just don't happen typically. If it ever does, that'd be awesome. Let's capture your story, and we'll all be inspired by it. But for the most part, when we come to a decision that there's a crossroads in, God's not laying down the details of exactly what to do, right? So, what do we do with that? We said it's more of a relationship. It's not a code to be deciphered. It's a relationship to be delved into. The other big thing that he said is this. He said, the will of God is not a what question. It's a who question, right? The will of God not a what question. It's a who question. So, God is much more concerned about the type of person I'm becoming. than than which college I would go to, per se, or what job I'm going to take. As long as I'm not sinning, as long as I'm not doing something that's outside of, of what God would say is moral and good according to his definition, he would say, man, I'm not really concerned about the what nearly as much as the who. That I want to become a certain kind of person. I want to become like Jesus. And as I become like Jesus, the what's they matter a little bit less, and they make a little bit more sense as to which way I should go, right? And so, we said, how do we continue to lay out some filters in the course of this series to continue to dive into this, right, this answer or look at these questions a little bit deeper? And we said, here's what I want to do. If I know God, if I want to have a relationship with God, find the will of God, if I want to dive into this relationship with Him, what I'm going to need is I'm going to need wisdom, Right? If it's not a code to be deciphered, if there's not going to be a magic answer that probably just appears out of nowhere, what I'm going to need is I'm going to need wisdom in my relationship with God to be able to navigate that. So, right, that's what we're going to talk about kind of today, and over the next handful of weeks, we're going to continue to lay down kind of a grid or a set of filters that I might go through as I'm making decisions, and if you took each kind of week of this series, and if you thought about it, listened to it, processed it, by the end of the kind of the whole series, you'd be able to say, you know what, I I really… I think I know how to process and make this decision. Today, we're going to look at wisdom. How do I get it? Where does it come from? And how do I engage with God in the middle of it? What we're going to do first is look at kind of where this all starts. I'm going to point you to a verse in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. We'll throw it up here on the screen. And really, what the Bible is going to say is it's going to give us a starting point for wisdom. Right? Here's, here's what the Bible would say. The writer of Proverbs says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And even as I read that, I realize that as I say fear of the Lord, you might think, what is that all about? I've heard that before. That's been deeply misunderstood. When we hear that phrase, we think, should we be, should we be scared of God? Should we cower in fear of God? It's certainly true that God has all power, He has all authority, He has every ability to, to exercise that power, and He has the freedom to do it. But we would know from the rest of the Bible that God is loving and He is kind and He is just, He's merciful. So what is the fear of the Lord? And when we're talking about that, what do we mean by that? And the way that we would best understand fear of the Lord is that it's, it's a holy reverence. It's an awe. And if you made it real simple, you think of it almost like this, that there's a recognition of who God is and who I am. When I recognize the rightful place that God has, that He created everything, that He is the one that authored my life. I don't own my life. I don't own me. God owns me. He's the one that made me. He has the one, He's the one that created kind of the universe, right? We're going to talk about this at Bible camp, that He's the galactic God. He's the one that made all of the stars in the heavens. That is God. Here's me. I'm just, I'm a finite person. And when I see the reality of that, I recognize where here's where I am and here's where God is. That gap, when I appropriately see that, that's fear of the Lord. Here's God, here's me, and I recognize that he has the power and the authority over my life and he should. Best way that I can understand this uh, is probably when I think about my relationship with my kids. I've got four kids between four and 10 and uh, I, I remember the first time Lori called me, and you know, when you're in the thick of disciplining your kids, it's just like mind-numbing, right? You're trying to get them to listen, and you're trying to be consistent. And you're trying to figure out how, right, how do we do all this, and well, at least as rookie parents, that's how it is. I remember the first time Lori called me, and she said, honey, I found something that's working. I was like, great, honey, what is it? Well, the kids have begun to ask me when they're disobeying, they, they, they're getting in trouble, and all of a sudden, right, when they're pushing the envelope a little bit, they ask the question to, to Lori. They say, are you, are you going to tell my dad, right? And she says, boy, if I look at them and say, you better stop or I'm going to tell your dad, they're like, we're done, right? Like, we're totally in. Anyway, and that worked for a while. That held for a little bit. And, and then she had to turn up the envelope, right, push it a little bit more. And at one time, she was even, because one of my kids, man, hmm there's always one, isn't there? That child will remain nameless, right, for the purpose of this podcast, living forever, right? So, here's the thing, right? One of my kids in particular really pushes the envelope, and uh, one time, Lori said, I was making sure not to use a pronoun, one time, Lori, uh, she said to this child, she said, hey, if you keep this up, I'm going to call your dad, and I'm going to ask him to come home from work, and he's going to discipline you. And they were like, no! Right? They're like, I quit. I give in. I'm done. What is that? That's a, that's a healthy fear. Right? It's a healthy reverence. Hey, all right, I'm not this scary guy. Right? I'm not that intimidating people. Right? We know this. I am uh, 165 pounds. I'm 5'10". Look at me. Right? I got nothing. I'm, I'm not throwing the kids out in the snow in the winter. Right? I'm, I'm a normal dad. I love my kids. I, I'm not going to harm them. They're not afraid of me per se. But there's a healthy reverence that if if they do something wrong and they got to look their dad in the eye, ugh, right? There's a recognition of that. There's a fear of that, and that's healthy. So what does that make them do? It makes them live as if they know their dad is going to see. When we live like that, when we live with fear of the Lord, recognizing that kind of our cosmic father, dad, God of the universe, sees all that I'm doing, I'm not worried that He's going to crush me or strike me with a lightning bolt. He loves me, cares for me, has a plan for my life, but He also is is the authority in my life. When I recognize that relationship exists, here's what's beautiful. The, The writer of Proverbs is going to say, when you have that in place, now you are in the ballpark of wisdom. Now you can begin to have wisdom when you start to see that gap. If I think that I run my life, and I'm in charge of me, and whatever I want to do goes... I'm not even... Wisdom hasn't even begun yet. I'm not even in the realm of wisdom because I'm not recognizing reality yet. So we want to start here as we start to look at knowing God, finding wisdom. What I want to do is I want to recognize the fear of the Lord. It's where it all begins. That's where wisdom starts. If I want to know what to do and I don't know what to do, I start with fear of the Lord. I recognize who God is. And the, the, the proverb goes on and it says... Fear the Lord is being wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And that word knowledge is, in the Hebrew, it's almost always used this way. It's an intimate knowledge. It's not head knowledge. It's not I know math, right? I I know two plus two equals four. It's a I know my wife. I know my children. It's a relational knowledge. It's actually the Right? It's the same word that, that, that will be used of husbands and wives in intimacy. They know each other. Right? I know someone deeply. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When I have a relationship with God, that's when understanding starts to show up. When I know this person that is the creator and the author of all things, that's when I can start to have insight, the Bible would say, or understanding or wisdom. So we're going to talk about today is what does it mean to have a relationship with God, right? A relationship with God. I don't know about you guys. I think I always see um, church stuff in like the Bible a little bit uniquely because I didn't grow up in it, right? I didn't grow up going to Sunday school. I didn't come to know Jesus till I was in college. A buddy told me about Jesus, long story, but, but it changed my life, right? But I never grew up thinking that if there was a God, and that would have been a real big if in my mind. If there was a God, I never would have thought that that God would be personal. It would have been someone that I knew. So whenever I heard things like relationship with God after I came to know Christ, I, I was like, that is a weird phrase. It's a weird statement. I would have thought if there is a God, He would have been like the force, right? He's like He's like this power source out there that people maybe access. Or there's a religion where you kind of sign up and say, okay, I'm attached to this religion instead of that one. I'm a part of a system and I connect with these other people and we show up in a building and hear somebody talk or whatever that thing is, right? I would have thought it's a set of beliefs that somebody checks in and says, I adhere to these beliefs and that's all that… I never would have thought of it as a relationship, that I can know a real person, and that God is a personal God that knows me and sees me and loves me, that would send his son to die for me, and now he actually wants to be a part of the intimate details of my life, right? He wants me to know him, and he actually wants to know me. The relationship, right? It's actually kind of mind-blowing if you think about it. If you grew up in the church, maybe you heard that phrase your whole life, maybe it doesn't pop as much for you. But when you think about it, if you take a step back, it's a pretty phenomenal thing that we get to know the creator of the universe and the great lengths that he would go to to make himself known to us. That's what we want to talk about. I want to walk through kind of some basic elements of what it means to have a relationship with God. And in these elements we're going to walk through today, you're never too early to begin engaging these elements. So you might be here and you might be saying, hey, I have no idea if I even want to have a relationship with God. That's fine. Totally excited that you're here. Thanks for taking your Sunday morning to tune in and watch or to show up and hear. But these are perfectly relevant. You can start doing these anytime. This is what it would look like if you wanted to begin to engage a relationship with God, to begin to interact. And if you're on kind of the deep end of a relationship with God, you'll never outgrow these. There's never been a time that in your life where you say, you know what, I'll never do these in my relationship with God anymore, right? So these are going to be long-lasting elements of what it means to have a relationship with God. We're going to walk through each of the three and talk about how they work together. The first one is this. First thing I want to do is I want to listen, or right? I want to listen. If the God of the universe has made a conscious decision to speak to me, to communicate to me, to make himself known to me, uh, the, the big theological word that we would use is he revealed himself. He, right, it's this is revelation. He revealed himself to me. He showed himself to me. That's all it means. Right? If he's causing himself to be known, now, boy, I want to listen to what he said. If he's, cause, if he's done that in the Bible, that's what the Bible is, is God's actual words, his heart captured in writing from able to read and hear and grab a hold of. And that is mind-blowing, That's a mind-blowing reality. Here's what I said in your notes. I said, in every relationship, listening is important. In a relationship with God, it's essential. It's essential that I become a person who listens to God. Why? Because I'm operating in the fear of the Lord. If God is who God is, then I need to hear what God has said. I need to tune into His voice in a very unique and humble way. I want to listen. Listen. I want to walk you through, we're going to spend all of our time today really in uh, this one psalm, and we're going to spend some time there. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to it. It's Psalm 119, and uh, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, not a big deal at all. You can grab one from underneath the chairs there, uh, open that up, it's page 426 in those Bibles, and uh, also you can look along with the app tune into that Psalm 119 it's, it's one of my favorite psalms it's the longest psalm in the bible and it really kind of breaks down what it means to have a relationship with god right how, how do i interact with him and how do i use his words written in the bible right to, to really develop that relationship right we recognize this i need to listen if i want wisdom i got to have a relationship with god how do i have a relationship with god i want to start to listen let's look at this Psalm 119 starting in verse 33 and we're going to look at a couple different sections of this psalm. I encourage you to read the rest of it, maybe later even today. Starting 33, here's what the psalmist says. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find my delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Here, The, the writer of the Psalms is interacting with the Bible. Right? He's reading the words of God. And I, what I want to see is, I want you to see his heart coming in. Right? He's looking. He's looking to be changed, to know God. He says, I want to know, Lord, your decrees. I want to know your statutes, your laws. I want to understand you by what you've said. And I can I can see your heart and your ways and your values as I do that. He's somebody who's tuning in to listen. And guys, right, I think we all recognize this. Not everybody listens like this. Uh, there's all kinds of listening, right? There's there's a kind of listening that's disinterested. You ever have this experience? You ever, you ever uh, talk to a friend who's got an iPhone out, right, scrolling? Maybe this happens at night in bed with your spouse, hypothetically. You may be having a conversation and be talking, uh-huh, uh-huh, honey, what do you think about that? Huh? Right? And you, you know there, there's nothing that was captured at all in the last 10 minutes. Right? There's a disinterested listening. Nobody was tuned in at all because the attention was somewhere else. That's one kind of listening. I have this serious problem. I'm not sure where it came from or why I have it, but whenever anybody starts to tell me directions, I completely zone out. I mean, it's like instantaneous. Whenever somebody says, all you got to do is go, as soon as they say go, I see their their lips moving, right? And there's nothing else. I hear nothing else the rest of the time. I just hope that someone that's by me caught the rest of it, right? So I don't know what's wrong with me or why that happens. It's a personal problem, right? That's a disinterested listening. I literally can't do anything other than that. But there, there's also the argumentative kind of listening, right? This is the person who who's listening, we've been on the receiving end of this, I'm sure, I know I have also done it personally, where you're listening not to understand what the other person's saying, you're waiting to rebut, right? You're, you're waiting to give your point. And as soon as that person stops talking, you can jump in there and give your point, usually in an argument that's going to show up. That's a different kind of listening, right? I can show up to the Bible, and man, I, I just… I got to put my time in. I'm zoning out, and I read a couple pages, and I have no idea what I just read. But, man, I, I checked the, check the list because I did my time in the Bible, right? And I can I can view it like that. I did my time with God today. Check. Now I'm going to have good luck because that's how that works, right? No, by the way, that's not how that works. We don't get good luck from reading the Bible. What we do is we come to the Bible, and, and we want to show up with a heart to listen, a heart to hear, right? So it's an awesome practice to show up and say, God, Help me be in a place where I can hear your words, where I can see your heart, where I can know you for who you are. I want to listen like that, like the psalmist is doing. It puts me in a place, God, as I hear you, give me understanding, direct me in your path, turn my heart, turn my eyes, show me, God, I need wisdom. I need to know. That's a totally different kind of listening. Then, yeah, I got to do the Bible read. I'm checking it off the list. Right, or, or or showing up and reading the Bible and looking for things I disagree with it, looking to argue with the Bible and argue with the voice of God. A heart that shows up to listen is eager to hear. It's somebody operating out of the fear of the Lord. Specifically, if I'm looking to make a decision, if I don't know what to do and I don't know what to do, I can listen and say, God, I got a financial decision to make. God, what have you said about money? Because God said all kinds of things about money about greed, about debt, right? About borrowing, all, about all that, right? He has all kinds of things to say about money. I'm looking to make a relational decision. He's made, he said all kinds of things about relationships, about marriage, about forgiveness, about peace, right? About what it looks like to have a good relationship in friendship or in romance or in parent-child relationship, right? It's all over the place. God, what, what do you want me, what kind of college do you want me to go to, right? I'm gonna look and say, What kind of person am I going to be? I want to dive into these things as I look at God's heart and His mind, and I can find more and more answers and get more and more wisdom. All right, listen, that's the first one. It doesn't stop there, right? I'm not just showing up to hear. It's not just a one-way conversation. The next thing that I would do is that would lead me to speak, right? As I've heard the words of God, I can now open up my heart, in my mind back to God, and I can do that through prayer, and I can communicate with God. We're going to see that in the psalmist. We'll show that up here in a minute. Here's one of the things I say, though, even before we look at that. Speaking with God connects our hearts to His hearts. One of the things that happens when I communicate with God, my heart is connected to His. Let's look at this in Psalm 119, 81 through 88. We'll talk more about it. Here's what the psalmist says My soul faints with longing for your salvation. But I put my hope in your word. My eyes fail, looking for your promise. I say, When will you comfort me? Though I'm like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pits to trap me, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I'm being persecuted without cause. They almost wipe me from the face of the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your unfailing love, preserve my life that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. Here, I love this. The, the, the writer of the Psalms, he's got some stuff in his heart, and he's saying, God, I, I'm going to communicate this to you. Right? I'm telling you, I got these persecutors. I got people in my life, I got enemies. I don't know what to do with them. Will you help me with them? Help me know how to respond to them. Help me know how to figure it out. I'm speaking to you. I'm talking to you about it. And when we do that, man, that connects our hearts to God's heart. Why? When we're looking for a relationship. God is not interested in just dictating to us, here's what you should do downloading all these things into us, and then we go implement them. He's not just a cosmic CEO. He wants a relationship. So, why he's going to use the word father in relationship to what he wants to be with us? And something fantastic and powerful happens when we speak, when we say words out loud. And we're not always good at this. I'm not always good at this. Guys, we don't tend to be that great at this. It's not always easy for us to communicate what we actually think or feel. Right, when we're trying to make a decision, sometimes it's hard to say, I need help, right? When we've done something wrong, sometimes it's pretty hard to say, I am sorry. So, sometimes when we feel a certain way about someone, it's hard to say, I love you or I appreciate you in these ways. But when we do that, there's a reason why that's hard. Because when we do that, there's a part of our heart that is exposed it's why we can't in marriage look, look at our spouse and say, hey, honey, I, I told you I love you once. That should hold for 50 years. Right? That doesn't work. Your wife will smack you if you do that, right? Because you need to tell each other. There's something that happens in the telling and there's something that happens in the receiving, right? That's communication. It's how it works. And God longs to know that. God, I don't know what to do with this decision. I would love to hear that. I, I don't know what college to go to. I don't know what house to buy. I don't know what to do with this relationship. I don't know what to do with my enemy here in this situation. God, give me help. Give me wisdom. When we communicate, what happens is our hearts are connected to God's heart. Guys, that's the point. That's the point of the whole thing, knowing God. Him knowing us personally and us knowing him personally, right? Because we just read that in Proverbs. Knowledge of the Holy One. Is understanding. The deeper that I know Him and the deeper that He knows me, the more connected that we become. Another thing that happens when I speak, when I pray to God, when I speak out loud to Him, which I think is important, is speaking with God helps us to see our actual motivations. When I stop and I confess my sins to God, when I stop and I say, God, here's what I want, this happens to me all the time, when I'm looking to make a decision and it feels like a crisis feels like a big deal, and I say, God, here's what I'm looking for, I stop and I'm quiet and I pray and I say those words out loud, God, I need you to help me figure this out. Here's what I want to do. Because I have fear of the Lord, because I recognize who God is, right, because we've discovered this in the Bible. Now, when I say my hopes and desires in front of God, right away, my motivations will surface. It's almost like God will speak back, why do you want that? Why do you want that? Why do you want that bigger house? Why do you want that job? Why, why do you want to get married? And those are all, they're not bad things. Sometimes they're great things. But but God will help us drive in deeper to our motivations when we communicate with him. And usually in my life, when, when there's a what that's showing up that I got to figure out and I'm talking to God about it, I usually bump into some pretty ugly motivations in my life. At least I do. I started, ooh, go, ooh, I got to clean. God, I'm sorry, that that's not even remotely where I should be. Take ownership of that, readjust, and now I'm in a clearer place to make a decision about something. Okay, God, forgive me for operating out of greed or selfishness. I want to own that. I actually want to do this because of this reason, right? Helps me pick a pure motivation. Listen to God, read His Word, understand His heart, see it more and more, communicate my heart. Now we are relating to each other. Right? I'm speaking, I'm listening. The next natural place that we would go is this to respond. Right? To respond. Now I actually have to make decisions, I have to do something with it. I'm in relationship with God communicating with him. Now i got to actually put it into practice and respond. Look at this piece of the psalm. We're kind of see it all come together here in 105. Same same psalm, 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. By the way, it's a great one to memorize. Your word illuminates my decisions in my direction is one way we think of that. Your word is a light for my feet and a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I've suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth. Here's the psalmist is speaking to God. Teach me your laws. He's listening. Though I consistently take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They're the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Did you catch that? He's put into a place in that last verse where he's saying, I- I'm ready to go do this. My heart is set on action. I'm ready to put this stuff into motion. That's where I'm fixated. That's where my focus is. I want to I follow you. I want to follow your decrees to the very, very end. I want to respond to you, right? And here's how it works. Knowing God. And loving God will lead to decisions that are pleasing to God, just how it works. Knowing God, loving God will lead me to decisions that are pleasing to God. As I get to know him and we draw close to each other, I'm gonna know more and more of God's heart, his mind, his values, his priorities. And as I become acquainted with those things, I'm going to be able to better and more quickly respond to what God has called me to do. Half the time I would say more than most of the time the decisions we 're looking to make, God has already addressed them clearly in his word i don 't even know the percentage 90, 95 percent there 's a five percent where we can genu- genuinely go each way. Like they feel like they feel like a decision that you know what I, I could go either way and i 'm not sure what to do, and I know that God would bless either when i 'm in that spot. I need another level of wisdom. And by the way, we'll talk about that next week in the week to come, okay? But but generally speaking, when I'm knowing God, when I'm loving God, it's gonna lead me to a place where I'm making decisions that are pleasing to God, just how it works. I was thinking about this, how this uh, tends to work in response. Early on in our marriage, uh, Lori and I, we, we bumped into a big decision. You know, I finished school, I was finishing it up in I was offered a job in ministry, and I really wanted it. I mean, like, I wanted it bad. I was positive, and I was sure that this is what I should do. I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. You know, I I thought I had all the reason, all the rationale in Ryan's own head as to why this is going to work. The only problem is Lori had absolutely, my wife Lori, she had no interest in it whatsoever. You know, And so it caused unbelievable conflict in our relationship early on. Well, this lasted about six months. We fought, we accused each other. You're being selfish in these ways. You're being selfish in these ways. You just want what you want. No, you want what you want. I wanna have kids, I wanna do this, I wanna have, right? We're, we're fighting, we're trying to figure it out. It was ugly we eventually worked through the place where we started to do some of the right things. You know, I started to ask the right questions, started to pray about it, started to read the Bible, started to look for what God actually wants in the middle of it. It took a while, man. It took a couple months, probably six months. And we finally came down to this decision place, because I knew at the end of the day, I had to make the call. I'd listened to my wife. I heard where she was, and I knew her heart on it. I communicated my desires, all right? I, I talked to her about what I wanted out of this, what I thought we should do maybe. And then at the end of the day, I had to make a decision. I, in light of this relationship, how am I going to respond? That's really what I was facing, right? In, in light of this relationship, how am I going to respond? And for me, God used this in tremendous ways because he taught me that I, I don't, I don't, live and die to myself. I'd use my relationship with Lori to give me clarity. What I had to do, eventually, I showed up in Jeff's office. Jeff was the one offering me the job. And I said, Jeff, tears in my eyes. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it, man. I want to do it. I can't do it. I'm pretty convinced that this is not what God's asking us to do. We're not on the same page. And Jeff kind of knew the story. He was living it with us. And that decision, that moment was for me an incredible step of faith. What I was trying to lean into was right, the Bible talks about how Jesus in his church is like the husband and the wife, that the the husband lays down his life for his bride. I knew that if I just kind of ramrodded my agenda through, I was gonna hurt my wife, in some pretty real way. So I knew I had to lay my life down in that way. And I didn't want to, but I knew I had to. And I said, I said, I can't do it, Jeff. And in classic Jeff fashion, he's like, well, I do have this other job. How about this, right? And so it ended up working out and it doesn't always work out. It doesn't always work out the way that we would dream of. But I saw God work in that situation in huge ways. When I trusted, when I looked and said, here, I got to respond to a relationship, I got this relationship. I got to make a decision in light of that. What I saw God do was amazing. The guy who filled my spot ended up being an enormous influence in ministry. And I got to go into a role that was a better fit and was more fruitful. And everybody was blessed in the process. What that did is that grew my faith like crazy. I started to see because now for me today, I'm absolutely sure I did the right thing. I know I did. Looking back on it, I have peace. I never sit and think, I wish I would have done that differently. I have no regrets. And what that did for me is it made me look and say, you know what, God, you know more than I do. You, I, I can fear you. I can look at you and say, God, you have a higher perspective and you understand things I don't understand. So that caused me to listen to you deeper, causes me to trust you more and open up to you in a deeper way, which causes me to respond to you more freely which causes me to listen to you, which causes me to speak to you, which causes me to respond to you, right? This thing gets spinning. And here's here's how I think this thing works. As we begin to see our relationship with God really get momentum, start to get moving, that's where wisdom starts to click in. That's the goal, man. How do I get this thing spinning, get it moving? There's this, this uh, interesting phenomenon that has uh, entered our world, this invention. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called uh, the fidget spinner. Have you heard of this? It's fascinating. And let me just say something. I don't care what you think of the fidget spinner. You might love it. You might hate it. But after today, you'll never think about it the same. That's all I really care about, right? You're ruined now by the fidget spinner. So here's the thing. We're, we want to get momentum in our relationship with God, right? I want to open the Bible. And I want to listen to what God said, and now I can, I can hear his voice. I want to trust him. I want to start talking to him. And now I can respond to him. Right? And we start to get some momentum and get this thing moving. Right? When I can start to see that happen. And many of us would have had an experience somewhere along the way where we, we said, man, I know God. I want to know God. Maybe it's a mountaintop experience. You know, and we had this interaction. It's a conference. This one time when Pastor Jeff was speaking and I, I said, I'm oh, in. I want to follow Jesus. Right, and we saw some, some momentum in our relationship. It gave it a big, huge shove. And then, I don't know this is how it works for you, but it works this way for me too, that I have some momentum, I have things moving, and then this isn't the only thing happening in my life. I got other fidget spinners moving. Right? I got a wife, I've got kids, I got bills to pay, I got stuff to do, right? It's nice outside. Calves are coming, right? Like, whatever. There's things happening in our world, and they get our attention. And over time, what happens is that momentum starts to slow down. And then what happens is I'll run into a place in my life where I need wisdom, and I come back to my relationship with God, and I recognize that the momentum has slowed down. It might have even stalled Or stopped, and here's what I find. Catch this: God often uses the crisis of the what to bring our focus back to the who. Right? When I have a decision to make, all of a sudden, man, I I wish that relationship with God was humming. Man, I wish I wish God and I were tight again. If I knew God day in and day out, if I was tuned into His heart, and I was in His Word on a regular basis, and if I was praying like I wish I would pray, and if I was acting on what I know God called me to, if I was tithing, if I was in a small group, if I was being the kind of light in my workplace that God's called me to, if I had the joy that comes from knowing God, and if I was actually praying the way that man, then I would have wisdom. Then I would have insight. God often uses the crisis of the what to bring our focus back to the who. I think that's what God does, right? What do I do when I don't know what to do? I had a decision to make. What am I going to do with work? What am I going to do? Should I take this job or not? All of a sudden, I'm brought back and I realize that the whole time The job wasn't the point. That college, it's really not that important. Should you go? Probably. Who knows, right? You're going to find your way to wisdom. What matters more than all of it is this, a fired, moving relationship with God. It's what we're made for. Much more than the money, much more than the highest impact I can have Much more than my dreams coming true or life being all that I hoped it could be. Me knowing God and God knowing me at the end of the day is the central point. And by the way, when I live there, wisdom can come pretty easy. Right? It's where it begins. Knowledge of the Holy One. Say, Ryan, what do we do with this? You've ruined the fitted dinner permanently for me, right? What do I do with this? Though walking out of the conversation. Here's, a th- I think, a handful of things. We might look and say, you know, I, I've never even had a relationship with God. I don't even know why I'm here today. My friend brought me. I got drug in here. Where do I start? You might be on the very end. You may have been in church for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I, would, I would look at you and say the same answer applies. I just start by getting momentum. I start by spinning the wheel. God will meet me in his word. And God will meet me in prayer. And God will meet me in a response to doing what I know God has asked me to do. Often this will happen. When you stop and pray, does God ever bring something to your mind? Something you know you need to do? It happens to me a lot start there. You can start at any one of these places, no matter where you are in your relationship with God. I'm never going to outgrow this, and I'm never too early for this. If you're not sure if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, yet that's okay. Start reading the Bible. Start in the book of John. Start investigating Jesus. All of a sudden, you'll see movement happen. Say, Ryan, I'm looking. I I need to make a decision. Where would I start? What do I do this week? If you're in a place where you don't know what to do, here's what I would say, I challenge you, encourage you to take your smartphone out, grab an appointment, 30, 45, right? If you're kind of the all or nothing person, go for an hour, set an appointment on your calendar. Before you do that, go to Google, type in whatever it is you want wisdom about, Bible verses on money. Man, never before have we had such easy access to Bible study tools. You'll get 50 of them that'll shoot right out. Bible verses on relationships. Bible verses on growing in whatever, right? And something will shoot out there. Take that, print it off. Take it into a half hour, 45 minutes, hour long interaction, time with God. Set it up on your calendar. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Take a Bible, an actual physical one. Do not bring your smartphone. Do not bring any technology with you. Just do it this time. You don't have to always do it this way. This is not the five-minute devotional. This is not the one-second prayer. This is not the pray before the meal. I do all, right, I don't care. Do this, try it. And focus on knowing God in whatever it is, decision, whatever decision you're trying to make. Because nothing will motivate us like the crisis of the what. It brings us back to the who. I'm personally working this through. I'm working harder on my relationship with God than I have in years. Why? I got a what I'm working on. It's got my attention. I need wisdom. God, I need you. I want us to be as tight as we can be. Would you do that this week? Start somewhere. Listen. You read in your Bible the way you want to. It's not a checklist. It's not something to run through. It's knowing the heart of God revealed for us. you praying the way you want to. Or are you doing what you know God has asked? Is this thing moving your life? Start somewhere. Got a decision to make? I going to encourage you. Spend the time with God. Fight for it. You want a great marriage? It takes time. Constant. Little touches. Want a great parenting, right? Great relationship with kids, constant touches. Want a great friendship, time. Constant, regular touches. Want a great relationship with God, time, right? You got to invest in that relationship. Listen, there's nothing that will be worth it more than an investment in a relationship with God. If you're just beginning or if you've been doing it for 30, 40, 50 years, fight for that. We'll do that together. I'm gonna have the band come out. Love for us to begin to interact with God even now. Begin to connect our hearts with his. And uh, if you're burdened by something, maybe trying to make a decision or work through an issue, would you tell God about that process and communicate where you are? Let's, let's do that together. Father, we want, to, we want to be still here for a moment in your presence. We've all got things on our minds and our hearts, God, but would you just help us to be still? And God, we want to recognize who you are. You're the God that split the Red Sea spoke the stars into existence and you're the one that raised Jesus from the dead God you created me you know me you know each and every one of us and you know the circumstances of our lives you know the burdens that we carry and the decisions we're trying to work through, and you care deeply, and you're longing for us to reach out to you and find wisdom. Like God, like a good father with his children, God, would you meet us here? Help us to know that you love us. That we don't pursue you to win a relationship with you, Lord. You took care of that on the cross with your Son. You paid for our sin. If we've been forgiven from it, Lord, we we're free to pursue you with all of our hearts. Help us to know that, God. Help us to love you the most. Pray that you would make yourself our everything, our one thing. The one that has the center of our attention, our focus. Lord, we need you. Meet us here even now.